What's in a name? What's behind your name? Why are you named the way that you are named? A lot of times names come with intentionality. Maybe you're named after a family member. Maybe you're named because your parents hope you turn out a certain way after that name. Well, our family really has an interesting naming process. And before, before I share with you this morning, I just need to raise your hand that you'll keep this confidential because I plan on patenting this and selling it someday. So, so I have everybody's agreement that you'll keep this confidential here for a little while, okay? So, you know, we've had an interesting situation. I thought, you know, we got a child coming. How are we going to name the child? Because first I was like, well, obviously Richard, right? Even if it's a girl, Richard makes a lot of sense. Well, that wasn't complete in agreement, so we had to come up with a solution. How are we going to do this? And, and the other requirement that I had was what? Well, we want to keep communication to a minimum. I mean, you don't want to have to talk with your spouse about things, right? So let's try and develop a system that would maybe be spreadsheet-oriented that would kind of solve it all for yourself. And so for our naming process, what we did is each person got to submit 10 names. And after you submitted 10 names, then the other spouse got to eliminate five from that list. And then you got to come back and rank them through one through five of the other. And then you got to match, okay, where do we have common ones and twos? And if the other one has a five, that immediately eliminates if it's a one or two up here. Are you confused yet? <laughs> this actually works really, really well. And so it, that's how we came up with the first child's name. It took a little bit of push and pull, but, you know, that we listened to the system. Second child, same way. Now, I'm seeing Siri, second child. Our second child it was another H name, and that was actually going through the system. We got a second H name. Well, after the second H name, what happened? Oh, boy. Now, we got a third child, and we got two H's. It's going to be kind of awkward. We got two H's. Did they misname you? Because first one with an H, we get the last one with an H. And so guess what had to happen in the last one? system had to get thrown out. <laughs> and so the intentionality was what? It's going to be an H because everybody else is an H. Maybe your name has a little more purpose and point behind it than that. Well, the names of the Bible actually come with a lot of purpose. It was not God working the Machoris naming system up in heaven in a spreadsheet. But what we have this morning in Isaiah chapter 9 is we have the prophet coming and saying, hey, hey, Someone is coming. And the prophet says, hey, good news. A child is going to be born. A king is going to come. And his name shall be called. And this morning we've got an opportunity to reflect upon the name. The name that God would give. Because that name means something. And so the prophet was trying to use language and names to help people understand the purpose of the king who was coming. Now, to understand really what's going on, we have to understand who the prophet was talking to. The prophet Isaiah was talking to the people of Israel, a nation, and this nation was not exactly at a high point. They had a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. This nation was not exactly at a high point with moral leadership. The king had basically said the following, no more counsel allowed. This is critical to catch. The king said, no more counsel allowed. The king was basically saying this, I'm not taking any more advice, and I'm not listening to anybody else. Well, you can about imagine how that goes over with the creator of the country, which is God. Basically, then what happens is what? The other armies come and they win. They take control of the country. 
So you got a prophet speaking into a nation who's about to face extremely difficult times, has been through difficult times, bad leadership. And the prophet says to them, hey, 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 hold on, guess what? Someone's coming. And we understand the context, it really helps you understand the names that they give and the meaning behind them. So here you had a nation that was in need of good news. They were about to face devastation. Here you had a proud nation. People who claimed the name of God, but they were at a low point. They needed to be encouraged. They needed to be renewed. Here you had a nation that was facing despair and hopelessness. But God was about to intervene. And so that's why the prophet comes and gives, hey, here's the name of who's going to come. So each of these names have a purpose. They give us a little bit of a glimpse into the heart of God, into the purpose of God. There's four names that the prophet says describe this king who's coming. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. For the next four weeks, we're going to take and we're going to dive in to each of these names. There's a reason. Because we want to get to know the king who has come. Now, this usually doesn't work this way. A lot of times when you get to know someone more, what happens? Sometimes your respect and admiration goes the other way, right? Because think about yourself for a moment, right? We hide stuff from other people because what? We don't want them to know us more because if they know us more, they what? Might respect us less. And so we're very controlling of what we let other people know about us. It doesn't work that way with the king who has come. When you get to know Jesus more, your adoration for Jesus goes up. Here's how you know you're growing in knowledge of the word of God, is that your adoration for God is increasing. If you believe you're growing in the knowledge of the Bible, but your adoration for God is not increasing, here's news for you. You've been gathering more information, not knowledge. Because knowledge is going to lead to adoration. And so we want to take some very specific time and say, we want to know more about this king who has come, this one Jesus. Why? Because you get a day off of work every December because of this guy named Jesus. If for no other reason, you should want to know a little something about him. Let's dig in and understand who is this king who has come. But the goal this morning is not just to know more. We've got three things that we want to happen. One, we want to know him. So each of these names are going to help us to know Jesus, who he is and what he's about. But we don't want to just know him. Secondly, we want to go to him. It's one thing to know, yeah, hey, there's salt in the garage, right? Yeah, we've got salt in the garage, good. What do you have to do with that salt? Go to the salt and spread it. If your neighbor slips and comes over and says, hey, hey, what's going on? Hey, we had salt in the garage. No, no, no. The salt, you need to go to it and spread it. Same with Jesus Christ. It's not just knowing about him, but it's going to him. And then finally, adore him. Everything we do this month. You got that devotional in the mail? That devotional is not like, oh, we got to spend a little money and we need to help people. Let's give them something to do. No, no, no. It's a simple tool. It's a tool for you to grow in adoration of Jesus Christ. 
We open our Bibles every single day so that we can know him, go to him, and adore him. And that's what we want to happen over this next month as we dig in deep to the words, the names of this king who has come. We want to know him, go to him, adore him. Let's say that together. Know him, go to him, adore him. This is what it's all about. So where are we starting today? We're starting today with the word wonderful counselor. Now, I don't know about you, but I see the word counselor and I'm like, heading the other direction. Right? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of someone digging in deep. Asking all those probing questions, how are you feeling about X? I don't care. You don't need to know how I'm feeling about X. Right? So we think of counselor, it's like, no, thank you. But then others of us, others of us, hey, hey hold on here. Because now some of you women are like, I love the counselor. Okay. Okay. So some of us, though, are on the other hand, like, I love the counselor because it just helps me understand my feelings. Which, I mean, doesn't even make sense to me. Who wants to understand their feelings? So on one hand, you want to go to the counselor because why? You just get to express yourself and you get to feel. On the other hand, you're like, <laughs> I don't want anyone to know. And guess what? I'm not going to even listen to anything they say anyway. So you got different extremes when it comes to counselor. So we need to understand a little bit here of why this is good for all of us. Wonderful counselor. What I want you to pay attention to something as we're looking at each name each week. The first is this, is the descriptor wonderful. The word wonderful, if we go back into the Old Testament, the word wonderful is only used to describe the acts of God or the person of God. It's used in one other place, I believe, like Lamentations 1.9, where it's describing something else, the root word a little bit, of something going on in the human world. But outside of that, it's always used to describe the character of God and the work of God. Why? Because only according to the Bible is God marvelous, wonderful. The literal word would be extraordinary. So we're not just talking about some counselor who's been trained. We're talking about a divine being who's extraordinary in every way. When you think about the person and the baby of Jesus Christ, we need to think wonderful. Wonderful, why? Worse, first, because of the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ is far abnormal. Close the ears of those that are under 18 sitting next to you, right? The birth of Christ is abnormal, why? Because there was no sex involved. Did you catch that? No sex involved. Okay, that's extraordinary if you didn't know that. Jesus, the very birth of Jesus Christ, is wonderful and extraordinary because God himself intervenes in a way we can't even explain. It's not just the birth of Christ that's wonderful. It's the teachings of Jesus Christ. You go through and you read the Bible about Jesus. It's amazing. You look at the end of when Jesus gets done teaching, pay attention to this little phrase. Everybody stood in awe because no one had taught like that before. Now, what's cool about this, it's not just the followers of Jesus that are saying, standing in awe. But the religious leaders themselves who were in opposition to Jesus, it says they stood in awe because they're like, no one's ever taught like this before. The teaching of Jesus Christ was amazing. 
But it wasn't just his birth and it wasn't just his teaching. It was his actions. His actions in a couple of different ways. First this, the way in which he interacted with everybody. People with leprosy. Very simple, those with skin disease that no one else wanted to be around. They wanted to avoid because they thought they would get weird diseases as well. How what did Jesus action? Jesus was with them. The very woman who they bring to Jesus and say to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, stone her, kill her. Was Jesus' action? Be with her. Let her wash my feet. Jesus' action in regards of being with those who no one else wanted to be with is far different than anyone else. But not just that action. When Jesus was under the most intense pressure ever, the most intense pressure, when people were ridiculing him, literally hitting him with a whip and spitting on him, the Bible describes it this way. He retaliated not. He retaliated not. In other words, he kept on going. He took the retaliation. He did not give it back to them. The actions of Jesus Christ are ultimate then on the cross. When he looks at the very people who whipped him and spit on him and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. No one else in history forgives those who put them to death. And then, and then comes back to life to give everlasting life. The birth, the teaching, and the action of Jesus can only be described extraordinary. This is not an interesting counselor. This is not a well-educated counselor. This is an extraordinary counselor who has that which no other counselor has. Divine power, divine knowledge, and divine authority. And so now the two extremes in regards to how we handle counseling, this one over here is like, hey, I don't want to take any advice or I don't want you to know that. That changes in a hurry when what? This is not just somebody that wants to know your feelings. This is someone who already knows your feelings. This isn't someone who just maybe has some ideas to share that you should know. This is someone who has the idea to share. And for this person over here, it's kind of like, I just like to be heard. Guess what? It's not about you anymore. It's about the divine one that's pouring into you. And so your healing actually doesn't come from looking deeper within. Your healing comes looking outward into the divine, to the one who is your counselor. It's a total different way of counseling than digging something out, than what? Pointing towards an external healing. An extraordinary counselor. He's divine. Well, what's counsel then? We know that Marvelous, wonderful, extraordinary. What about counsel? Counsel very simply means this. Wisdom on hand. Wisdom on hand. In other words, basically, when the prophet says wonderful counselor, he's saying, hey, guess what? Wisdom on hand is coming. Maybe you've seen this verse before. It's in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, when it says that Jesus Christ, who was crucified, was the wisdom of God. That Jesus was the wisdom of God is the wisdom of God. That very simply means this. Jesus is the one human being that's ever lived that knew how to took the law of God and apply it perfectly in any and every circumstance. Wisdom is the ability to take your knowledge and apply it 
in a specific instance. Jesus is the wisdom of God, of how to step into creation and live as God wants us to live. Jesus is not just in the business of giving out nice ideas. Jesus is in the business of giving out commands, wisdom. Matthew chapter 6, famous story that most of us know. Jesus says what? Build your house on the rock or build your house on the sand. He's giving that illustration to say what? What are you going to do? Are you going to put my counsel into action or are you going to listen to the counsel of others? If you listen to the counsel of others, it's like building your house on sand. If you listen to my counsel, you're building your house on the rock. Wonderful counseling is extraordinary wisdom for you and I today. The the question is, are are we treating Jesus like an idea person or are we submitting to divine wisdom? I think the author uh, J.B. Figgis, J.B. Figgis is an old, old reformed pastor many, many years ago, write a whole book, write a whole, wrote a whole book on Isaiah 9, chapter, chapter, chapter 9, verse 6. So a whole book on basically four names. He says this, We must steer clear between two opposite dangers. The one, not to ask or expect counsel. The other, to expect it so clearly as to overturn the need for judgment and discernment. A compass is an excellent thing, and a compass and a sail, two excellent things. But a ship wants something more than a compass and a sail. A ship wants a ballast. And this is what some good people utterly and entirely lack. Let me kind of explain a little bit what he's trying to get at here. Jesus, being the wonderful counselor, is the wisdom of God. And sometimes we treat that as what? Oh, we don't even want to ask for counsel or guidance. And the other times, we expect Jesus just to be this magic genie. Jesus, what should I have for lunch? Boom, tells us. Wow, that was nice. It does not work that way. Because God has created us as, as human beings with this mind, this intellect, this whole soul, this spirit. And so we've got Jesus who's the rock, but it doesn't always just necessarily work out and every T is crossed and I is dotted. But Jesus is that counsel and that guidance of giving us the direction. We've still got to use our discernment and judgment. Today, Jesus wants to be your wonderful counselor. If you don't like the word counselor, just say, Jesus wants to be your divine wisdom. Are you going to turn to the one who is ageless? Think about this for a second. When you want guidance... And direction. Most of us would say, hey, we want to turn to someone who's, who's got some experience. Well, usually that's what we expect, right? We expect the older people in our midst to what? Have wisdom because they've had age and they've had some experience. Check this out. Christ is ageless. As Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 tells us, that he has existed for eternity. He's not just ageless. He has all the experience because he created everything. That's who we have an opportunity to have as our counselor. The question is, are we willing to say, I need help? And are we willing 
to submit to the wisdom that he gives. Jesus has come, and he is an extraordinary, wonderful, marvelous, divine counselor. Everyone in this room this morning is going somewhere or to someone for help. Everyone. Everyone in this room is going somewhere or to someone for help. might not call them a formal counselor. It might be Google. But everyone in this room is going to someone and somewhere for guidance and help. Why not go to the wonderful counselor? The one who loves you even though he knows everything about you. And the one who is over and above everything else. The divine counselor is available for you today. To know, to go to, and to adore. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus Christ. Let's know him, let's go to him, and let's adore him. And this next week, let him be your wonderful counselor. Let us pray. Gracious God, we praise you this morning and thank you that you have intervened in our midst, that you have sent your son Jesus Christ to be a wonderful counselor to us. And so we pray this morning that you would give us humility to accept wisdom, that you would give us a desire to come and ask for wisdom. And we pray that Jesus would be our counselor above anyone and everything else. God, we praise you and thank you and acknowledge that you are extraordinary, and we praise your name above all else. In Christ's name, amen.